0: Right, hello everyone. This is one half of Soul Sisters on the Run podcast. Sabrina, um, my partner Keisha, is not on this call. We were having some challenges, um, so it's just me with you all today. Um, but we definitely miss Keisha, and her presence is here. Um, but with you today, I have a longtime friend from Tuskegee University. My friend. Dove Dixon, and she is here today to talk to us about her journey, um, dealing with breast cancer. Um, Dove is a two-time breast cancer survivor and, um, being that it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, I heard her story before, but I just thought it'd be interesting for her to share her story with you all, um, because I found it very inspiring, um, And then maybe it'll inspire someone else. Um, And then maybe we get some laughs out of it too. Um, Cancer is such a a dark topic, Um, but we're going to focus on the survivorship and just some of the things that she went through. So she'll share her story with you guys. So Dove, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Good. So how have you been doing and coping with the pandemic and everything, the stay-at-home orders, through all of this?
1: Actually, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm already an introvert, so staying at home isn't really a big deal to me. The, I guess the biggest challenges are not being able to go certain places that I would want to go and not yeah. being able to do that. So that would be the biggest challenge. Um, I've been staying connected to family and friends, you know, virtually via the phone or Google Duo or FaceTime and
0: things like that. Mm -hmm. so i have been doing pretty good that's good that's good same here team introvert right here um but yeah it's just it's it's been a challenge though it has been a challenge but through the midst of this one thing we always do um for each episode we always ask our guests tell us one thing that you are grateful for in the midst of this chaos
1: I'm grateful for my friends and family um one of the things early on you know some of my friends that i hadn't heard from and or even some that i had you know would call me and just say you know hey just checking on you um how are you doing um through uh these times or whatever how are you feeling that sort of thing so i've actually mm-hmm. become more connected to some people um just via the phone that i i wasn't connected to before so i am grateful wow. for that
0: good Same here, Um, just, you know, checking in with people and kind of reestablishing some relationships and starting some new ones, um, make things a little easier to manage. Um, So that's good. So we're going- I'm also grateful for, sorry to speak over here. I'm also grateful to be able to
1: telework because I Uh know a lot of people, you know, lost employment. So I'm very grateful to be in a position where I can work from home and, you know, maintain-
0: working mm-hmm. so i might i have to add that part yeah same here i, I, I love working from home <laughs> thought i would <laughs> never have that opportunity but you know it has been definitely a blessing um, to be able to do that and still like you said remain employed so... right okay well we're gonna go ahead and dive on in here a couple of questions um first because we, you were on actually, and let me let everyone know, you were on our very first episode um, when we were talking about parental influence and healthy eating habits. You were one of the panel uh, that we spoke to then. Um, and I kind of want to touch back on some of the things you had touched on then. Um, so we're going to go back a little bit and then we're going to come back forward and talk about um, breast cancer. But just briefly, okay. um, if you could tell me about your parental influence growing up um, regarding living a healthy lifestyle with your parents because you had mentioned how um, Dick Gregory came to you all town and your, your, well, your community and spoke to your community on a healthy lifestyle.
1: Right, so um, both of my parents were into health and wellness as you, as you mentioned, um, my mother was actually a physician and my dad, I mean, he was a lawyer but he probably should have been a physician so they've, they've, been, they've both been into health. so And not just um, their own health, but of course the health of the family and then also um, healthy lifestyles for the community. So one of the things that they would do was um, you know, do speaking engagements. They also did uh, community health fairs um, with like churches. Um, and sometimes it would just be bringing in speakers to talk about healthy lifestyles. Um, and actually, uh, Dick Gregory came to Shreveport. Um, there was a lot of um, uh, crime in in Shreveport in some of the the neighborhoods, and so there was um, my dad, my father was involved with um, some of the community leaders um, looking at the crime in the neighborhoods, and um, and so Dick Gregory actually came um, for that, and mm-hmm. so. Um, my like my father and Dick had a uh, relationship prior to that, but then after that, we actually went to. He had a, uh, I'll call it a retreat that he had in Florida for um, mainly focusing on those that were morbidly obese, and mm-hmm. so we we went there. I'll never forget. We went there like a New Year's Eve weekend or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: that was interesting. So. Mm. Wow, that is interesting to have that experience <laughs> as a kid. I'm like, wow, you like your parent, your dad knew Dick Gregory. I was just watching the video clip on him. It's like, wow, And man just—he's a wise man. Yes. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, so, with that experience and early on in your childhood, how do you currently practice health and wellness, especially during this pandemic?
1: Well, I have to admit, I go back and forth because um, mm-hmm. initially during this pandemic, I picked up some of those pandemic pounds that people are talking about on mm-hmm. social media.
0: Right, and
1: but the one thing I know how to do, and I'm very fortunate, and even though you mentioned Dick Gregory, and we can talk about this later. Um, my dad actually called me three way with Dick Gregory on the phone when I was diagnosed oh. with cancer. Oh, so. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I'd actually forgotten that until we just started speaking on that. But um, Mm -hmm. the one thing that I'm fortunate to know, I might not always practice um, everything that my parents have taught me, but, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, I know I can go back to it. I know. um, So, like I said, when I picked up those pandemic pounds, I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, let me go back. So then I started eating more, you know, healthy. I started cooking more. I started, you know, eating more vegetables, um, Mm -hmm. drinking more water. So, and then a, another thing, just thinking about being in a pandemic and not wanting to go to the doctor for anything. I'm trying to right. not just, you know, stay, um, <laughs> not gain pandemic pounds, but, you know, just trying to stay healthy because I don't want to have to go to the doctor for anything right now, especially. Right. So um, so a lot of the things that my parents taught me about, you know, eating right, um, cooking. One of the things I'm thankful for, you know, when I think about my mother Um, my mother introduced me to a lot of different foods, like early on, you know, I meet people and they're like, Oh no, I don't want to try this. I don't want to try that. Mm -hmm. Like my mother was cooking spaghetti squash when I was in elementary and, you know, eggplants and, you know, so Mm -hmm. she was kind of ahead of her time, so to speak, when it comes to, you know, healthy eating and, you know, at one point she was a vegetarian. So, um, so yeah, going and you know, she juiced a lot and fasted. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I can say about, um, what I've learned from my parents and some of the um the even some of the people that they've introduced me to, whether it be, you know, going to Dick Gregory's um uh, resort in Florida or and I'm not even sure if that's what he called it. And then also I want to mention um when we they took me to Cottonwood, Alabama to this place and, you know, took uh they, you know, were very into like um talking about, you know, healthy lifestyles and, you know, what foods to eat and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that I can go back to, you know, have the knowledge to to right. go back to that when I need to kind of improve my health, so to speak.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I think we've all probably gained some of that pandemic, those pandemic pounds, because I have to admit, I have to. And I've been exercising this entire time, but I've, yeah, <laughs> it's like, OK, but stress, you know, stress plays a role in that as well. Um, so. We just have to do what we know we need to do to maintain and get back on track. Um, so going into um, when you were first diagnosed with breast cancer, can you tell us how did you find out? And like, what was your thoughts? What were you going through when you first found out? Um,
1: I, I would like to give you the uh, short story, but it's not. So okay. actually what happened, because I, I like to get credit where credit is due. Um,
0: mm-hmm. It
1: was actually the beginning of the year. A friend of mine um, invited me to go to the gym with her. She was going to a boot camp. And I said, no, I don't want to go to boot camp. She was like, OK, you can just come go to the gym with me and get on the treadmill. So that was the plan. But she tricked me and got me into her boot camp class. So <laughs> the next day I was sore. And so mm-hmm. I was rubbing under my arm, you know, where you know I was sore from the class. And I noticed like something that felt like a little pee. And Mm -hmm. I didn't think anything of it because I'd had previous uh, mammograms and I've had previous cysts. I actually even had a cyst removed um, back in, I think, 97, 98. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was, you know, I was like, oh, it's probably just a cyst again. I'm not gonna even worry about going to the doctor this time. Mm -hmm. And so some time went by, probably like some weeks and I received an email from a cousin um, talking about her breast cancer journey, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go get this checked out. And so I made an appointment with my primary care physician. And when I went, and when she went to feel it, she was like, I I can't feel it. And mm-hmm. I said, Well, I can only I can only feel it when I lay a certain way. And she's like, Okay, we'll lay a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so she actually felt it that way. And then she, you know, um, sent me for a mammogram. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't hear anything for a while. And I just thought to myself, no no, news is good news. But then later, her nurse called me. And this was like, you know, weeks had gone by. Her nurse called me and asked me, had I gone to have the mammogram done? And I said, you know, yes. And so they called, she called me like five minutes later and, you know, said, we need to see you in the office at eight o'clock in the morning. And I knew that their office didn't even open until like 8 30 or nine. I don't remember the exact time but i knew that they were asking me to come in before the office opened so i thought to myself that's not good news right so um you know at the time it you know they hadn't diagnosed it as cancer but uh she recommended that i call the surgeon that had removed the other cyst i had mm-hmm. and so because she said if you're not you know um a first-time patient you might be able to get in sooner so i was able to mm-hmm. call that uh doctor's office and they got me in quickly and it was a hospital in DC. Mm-hmm. And so, um, actually Georgetown.
0: Yep. So,
1: um, so which is, you know, Georgetown is actually a cancer center. So wow. anyway, so I, was, I went to that doctor and uh, fast forward, you know, I had a, um, end up having a biopsy and, you know, then, you know, they told me that it was cancer. So, um my cousin went with me, so I was trying to keep a straight face for her, but it I was kind of, um, I think part of it was, I guess, funny to say, or eerie to say that it was a relief because just the time waiting, not right. knowing, I thought was worse than just somebody telling me what I had. and Because in my mind, I felt like when I know, then I have the knowledge and then I can do something about it either right. way. So when she told me it was cancer, I was just thinking to myself like, okay, yes, yeah, so what next? What do I need, what do we need to do? What's the game plan?
0: Mm-hmm. So I just
1: kind of switched to that mode, you know, really quickly, like right there in the office. Mm-hmm. So um I wasn't, you know, overly sad or anything like that. You know, I I mean in my mind I was just like, I just want to manage this like a project, so to speak. I mean, did I have my moments where I had my pity parties? Yes. And what I kind of would do is allow myself to have like, okay, this day I'm going to have my little pity party, but tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So I just try to make a point of not staying in a rut and just being um, active and trying to to beat it.
0: So it was your mindset. You kind of had a mindset of determination.
1: Yes. 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 To- Okay. You know, one of the things my mother told me a long time ago, and I think this is kind of what I, you know, went back to, and it's it's the same thing with, you know, health, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, your parents plant these seeds, or as parents, you plant seeds, mm-hmm. and you never know how, you know, that's going to come into play in their lives, but it's also important just to plant the seeds, and you might not even right. see, you know, how it manifests in their lives until years later, but mm-hmm. one of the things I remember, um, I don't remember what I was crying over, um, I think I was like in my early 20s or whatever. And I was crying. And my mother was like, okay, now you can stop crying because what is crying going to do? I mean, what what goal is crying going to help you achieve? You know? And so mm-hmm. she was like, so what we need to do is, you know, next steps. And right. so I kind of like live my life in that, you know, that like that. So mm-hmm. it, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. But you need to think, okay, I can only be sad for so long. And just being sad or just you know moping is not gonna help me achieve whatever goal I have.
0: So, right. so you acknowledge the feelings, the emotions, but you don't stay there. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That's a good tip. And like you said, that's with anything in life.
1: I mean it helped it really did help me, you know. Um, you know, having had cancer, you know, I've met, you know, other cancer survivors. And then of course, one thing, when you have cancer, everybody has a story about their sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, whoever had cancer, and they tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not knocking anybody else's journey, but, um, you know, I was even assigned a, I'm not gonna call it a mentor, but it was supposed to be somebody to help guide me through cancer. Mm -hmm. And when she told me, you know, oh, well, um, I'm not working. Because, you know, I just need to focus on the cancer and I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And then I thought to myself, like, yeah, she's not going to be able to help me help guide me because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to just sit at home and focus on cancer all day. Right. So
0: and not everyone you know, is even able to do that.
1: Not right, work. right, right.
0: People have right.
1: to work. Exactly. And for me, I did it for my mental health you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to work. Um, and I say I didn't have to work because, you know, at the time, you know, I worked somewhere that, you know, I could have applied for short-term and long-term disability.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know,
1: I had that, you know, available to me, you know, and All of right. course, you know, my parents are still living. So of course I could have just said, okay, you know what, let me just pack up, go have my cancer treatment, live with them. But mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. If I was able to work, I was going to try to work because I needed the distraction. And I was actually right. taking classes uh, towards a master's certificate. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to oh, wow. you know, continue in that too. So I just tried to stay busy. Okay.
0: Wow. So well, that had to have been hard. It was. That's a lot to juggle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. But, you know, you know, looking back, I would do it all over again. Okay. Because, you know, the one thing it did, it kept me pushing forward, you know, okay. it kept, I mean, did I go to work every day? No, they did allow me to, you know, telework um, certain days of the week. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, now we're dealing with uh, coronavirus. And I think about those that are going through cancer treatments, because uh, I was going through cancer treatments when H1N1 was, mm-hmm. uh was prevalent. Yeah.
0: Right. And so
1: I was kind of like, you know kind of scared to go around a lot of people because of that mm-hmm. but um so yeah there were t- you know there were times you know I worked from home and the class that I took um was a you know it was an online class so I wasn't you know going to a classroom every day but mm-hmm. as far as like keeping my mind busy and distracted from cancer you know mm-hmm. I had that you know available to me I mean because I taught mm-hmm. you know I was a trainer at my job so I mean I went and I taught classes so mm-hmm. Okay. the distraction was good it was a good thing
0: yeah so that worked for you so when going through this what was your treatment and your process like as far as
1: um so for treatment i had um first i had a partial mastectomy um and then when we received the results from that um they didn't have um a clear perimeter so they have to have mm-hmm. a certain amount of healthy tissue around the tumor and they remove it and they didn't have mm-hmm. enough. So I actually had to have another surgery after that okay. before I started uh, chemotherapy. And so okay. I took um, uh, this drug called um, doxorubicin and mm-hmm. they a lot of cancer patients refer to it as red devil. I took that for about two months. I think it was like four rounds. Um, and then I took taxol. And I took that weekly for um, four months. And I also was in a clinical trial because one of the things I kind of didn't really know how serious the cancer was. I mean, I think all cancer is serious, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how bad mine was until I actually um, met with oncologists. Because when I was first told it was cancer, they were like, it's breast cancer. And that was it. And at the time, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I really didn't know a lot about breast cancer. But I later found out I had um, I had triple negative breast cancer, and then on top of that, my oncologist what does that mean? triple yeah. negative breast cancer, it means that um, it doesn't have the receptors that some of the other cancers breast cancers have. Like for example, it doesn't like a lot of uh, cancer breast cancers may be estrogen positive, so mm-hmm. when it's triple negative, it's like negative for all of those receptors that some of the other breast cancers have. So, and what that means is being negative if they don't have targeted treatment for triple negative breast cancer, which makes it, um, the, the recurrence rate is so much higher and the death rate Mm -hmm. is a lot higher and especially in African-American women. And so when Mm -hmm. I found out, oh, it's triple negative, oh, that's, you know, that's bad. And then when I went to the oncologist, the oncologist told me I had angry breast cancer and no, Mm -hmm. he just said I had angry cancer. And initially I didn't even like him because I thought, okay, he has no bedside manner. Who tells somebody you have angry cancer, but being the science nerd that I am, you know, I took the pathology reports and I Googled it and I'm like, wow, I do have angry cancer. Cause one of the things, Mm um, one of the ways they, um, and this might be going way over, but one of the ways they score the, uh, The tumor is, they call it an Elston score and they Mm -hmm. score it on three factors. And I don't exactly remember what the three factors are, but they give each factor um, a score of zero to three, zero being best case, three being the worst. And Mm -hmm. my score for all three of those scores that make up the composite was three, three, and three. So I had like the worst case score for a tumor. So I was like, oh, that's what he means by um, angry cancer. So with that being said, they wanted me to go into, um, a clinical trial. And so they gave me the informed consent paperwork to look at and, you know, read and, you know, so I could of course make an informed consent. And, Mm -hmm. you know, initially I was like, wow, it's a lot of, uh, you know, you know, uh, bad side effects for this drug, but, Mm -hmm. you know, considering the alternative, um, I thought right. to myself, like, you know, I'll just go ahead and roll the dice. <laughs> and so I did. Yeah. And so, um, I actually, uh, ended up being in the arm, the treatment arm that I, where I actually got the drug and I actually took that drug for 10 months, I think 10, 11, 11 months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, um, and the, the purpose of that drug was to prevent uh recurrence of okay. the cancer so I like to think at this point it was a good decision because I did not get a recurrence of the triple negative breast cancer so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah okay so going through your treatment and um, your process and I I bring this up just because with everything going on because of COVID-19 a lot of talk has been about health disparities in African-American community Mm -hmm. how was your process as far as um, with your physician and your healthcare provider, do you re- feel like you received the proper healthcare that you needed?
1: Oh, I do. Um, I think that's one. That was an, one other thing that I was very grateful for. Uh, living on the East Coast, you know, um, I live right in the middle of Baltimore and DC, and mm-hmm. those are two of the you know best places in the country that you could go to for you know cancer treatment. Um, okay. So, I mean, there are other places too, but I'm just saying, you know, um, I went to Georgetown, and in Georgetown, like I said, is a cancer um, center. So, and mm-hmm. and also they had they they were participating in a clinical trial,
0: and okay.
1: one of the nurses told I went to a, a breast cancer conference for young women affected by breast cancer, and when I came back, I told one of the nurses, I said, oh, one of, I I saw one of the doctors from Georgetown, she was speaking and she asked me, she said, did you go speak to her? And I said, no. And she said, you should have, because she knows your name. And I said, Mm -hmm. really? She said, yes. She said, because we meet on a regular basis and we discuss all of our patients together. So other people can, you know, say, oh, well I had a pay, you know, so we can share information and, you know, Mm -hmm. help guide that person's treatment. And I I thought I was very impressed by that because I mean, I mean, I just, not only do I have the knowledge of my oncologist that was treating me, you know, there are other people, you know, that were able to weigh in, you know, my treatment Mind. and treatment decisions. So I, I thought that was, you know, and I had the same um experience um later. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't change anything. And I and I am concerned about health disparities in other areas. Um I mean, I, I have a friend and I don't know for sure, but mm-hmm. I really feel that if she lived here and went to other doctors, I think she would still be here. You know, she passed away from um, breast cancer. Right. And
0: I really do mm-hmm. believe
1: that it had something to do with um, not having access to care. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a major thing in, in so many areas. But we're talking about breast cancer and so many women now are being affected by it. And, and men too, right. um, but they're a minority population of breast cancer. Um, but that's, I wanted to see what your experience was given what we know now about health disparities. So, I mean, that's actually great that um, you were where you were um, and receiving you know expertise um, treatment and basically the support of other physicians um, I, and I don't know, but that would be something interesting to find out if other doctors do that. If they have like a support network where they, you know, run ideas and um, patient conditions with each other to, I guess, weigh the, the best treatment options. Um, but like from what you were saying, um, was you alluded to this? I guess the second time if you can tell us so you were diagnosed with breast cancer a second time
1: yes so um since I had trouble well I guess I'm
0: sorry uh I'm a I'm a backtrack so you went through I guess because we didn't finish that process so we'll finish the process and then go into um how you found out you were diagnosed a second time
1: okay so um In addition to, like I said, the chemotherapies I mentioned earlier and the the drug I mentioned that Mm -hmm. um, I was in the clinical trial, I also did radiation. And so after the treatment um, was finished and I finished, um, so I was diagnosed March of 2009 and I finished all treatment on June 2nd, 2010. So after that, Mm -hmm. um, I would see Um, my oncologist every three months, and I would see my breast surgeon every six months, and um, I think maybe the first year I saw my, um, the radiation oncologist for um, every six months, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: so um, I I did keep up with my, you know, the surveillance, you know, after, you know, the, the cancer treatment, And I had, you know, sometimes I would have a mammogram. Sometimes I would have an MRI, um, ultrasound, things like that. And so, um, in May of 2015, you know, one of my routine mammograms, uh, they then wanted to also do an ultrasound. And so, um, they, they saw like some suspicious tissue. And so Mm -hmm. fast forward, um, in August of 2015, um, they deemed it to be precancerous cells. So, okay. um, I was actually going to my, actually my breast surgeon from Georgetown had actually moved to a practice in at ANOVA in Virginia. And so I, but I followed her there, but I still kept the same oncologist. So, um, she actually presented my case at, um, at what they call, you know, I guess, cancer conference or whatever, where they present different cases. Mm-hmm. And she said that there would be other oncologists there, um, geneticists, and um, breast surgeons. And so, because mm-hmm. she, she thought that my case was kind of different, being that I had triple negative breast cancer and the precancerous cells, if they turned into cancer, it would have been estrogen positive. So, um, and at the time I did have genetic testing, um, with the first cancer and I, there was no genetic link shown when I had that um, Mm -hmm. test done in 2009, but then she Mm -hmm. said, okay, so now it's 2015, they're, um, testing other genes now. And so the geneticist that was in the cancer conference had recommended, um, genetic testing again. So actually did that. And actually it did come back that there is a genetic link. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but at any rate, so when she presented at the conference, um, she said it was kind of split. She said half of the um, people were saying, you know, recommending a double mastectomy and the other half were recommending taking tamoxifen. And that's a drug that they give uh, breast cancer survivors that have estrogen positive um breast cancer but in my case they were saying you know take it as a preventive measure um you know to prevent it so so then Mm -hmm. you know the choice was mine do i take tamoxifen for 10 years every day which has a lot of you know side effects or do i have a double mastectomy so to me it was just like a kind of a lose lose type situation you know um So, you know, I was kind of torn. Part of me was really leaning towards the double me, but I kind of didn't want to admit it to myself or like say it. I don't know what it was. But anyway, I was leaning mm-hmm. towards that. And when I, I, I happened to have a, an appointment, to come up with my oncologist. And this is one disappointing thing in the healthcare system. Um, I thought just by putting his name on everything that he was getting all of, you know, reports um, all the tests mm-hmm. I was taking, everything. So when I went to go speak with him, he hadn't heard anything. So, you know, um, he had to actually get everything sent to him. And he called, he said, I'm gonna call you on Friday after I review everything. So I'll never forget, he called me on a Friday. I think it was like Labor Day weekend. And he was like, you're young. And I thought to myself, hey, I'm young. But anyway, he was like, you're young. He said, <laughs> and just the simple fact that you have precancerous cells at your age, having precancerous cells in your history, there is a very strong chance that those cells are going to turn into cancer. He said, so my recommendation for you is a double mastectomy. So I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, double mastectomy it is. Uh-huh. And so of right. course I had my pity party that Saturday, meaning I went shopping Um, And and I'm
0: retail. I'm not really a shopper, to be honest with
1: you, but I did that day. Okay, I need a I need a purse. But anyway, right. So I mean, but just him saying it, I think it kind of took it off of me because by at this point, you know, I've been seeing him, you know, every three months, every six months, or whatever, for a while. And at this point, you know, I told you in the beginning, I wasn't really a big fan of his. I I thought he had a horrible bedside manner, but. I actually grew to love the guy, but anyway, uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, by him making that decision and knowing how he would, you know, look into my case and do the research, you know, cause when I would go and ask him mm-hmm. questions, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, I read an article on this and I read that. And, you know, he just, you know, he listened. So when he told me, when he advised me, don't respect me, it was a no brainer for me. So then I called the surgeon Um, the next day they were open and I said, okay, sign me up, double mastectomy. She was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes. So I decided to do the double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't have the double mastectomy done until January, 2016 is when it was scheduled for, I think it was initially scheduled Mm -hmm. for December, but they had to move it. So, (laughs) and then the funny thing is we had a snowstorm, but it still had it. So, um, Mm -hmm. okay. You got to tell that
0: story. you told me that story <laughs> you gotta tell that story because I remember you told me I was like you need to write a book about this because I was like wow but that goes into your mindset yeah. you was determined yeah. but please share that story <laughs>
1: so um, the Washington D.C. metropolitan area we got I want to say 17 inches of snow or something like that so um, yeah So I got a call from my breast surgeon and because initially I was like, are they going to cancel? Because, you know, things are closing, you know, they're closing highways and byways, Mm. everything. So I'm thinking, is she going to cancel? And so I kept calling like everywhere and I couldn't get anyone on the phone. And she called me and she said, you know, Strother, I got a call from the, um, from the operating room and they wanted to confirm that you're going to be here. I think it was a Monday. was my surgery. Yeah, it was a Monday. She said that you're going to be here. And she Mm -hmm. said, because, you know, she had been my surgeon all along, too. So I've known her for ten years. Mm -hmm. She said, said, yeah, I know her. She's going to be here. And so I go outside and start shoveling. Because, you know, I'm thinking I need the rest. You know, that was another thing my mother used to teach me, whatever. You're going into a surgery. You need to be, you know, you need to be in your best health for the surgery. And that includes rest, eating Mm -hmm. right, hydrating, da-da-da. So shoveling Mm -hmm. a driveway with like 17 inches of snow and I just remember going outside like looking at the driveway thinking to myself like oh my god and right then these two ladies come and they're like we're gonna help you shovel your driveway and I'm like what and they I mean when I say shovel they shovel fast and it was just like done you know and I was just like I was amazed and 100%. exactly they they basically said that somebody came and helped them shovel theirs and they just felt like they needed to you know you know pass it on mm-hmm. so i wasn't going to right. help anybody else shovel so i just pass it on i went and got them a bottle of wine from my stash so right. but that's not even the funny part i know you're referring to so uh, <laughs> my close friend stacy shout out to stacy um <laughs> you know I talked to her and she said well I'm gonna I'm gonna pick you up but she couldn't get to my street because of the snow so I said but she you know they Mm -hmm. did you know shovel the main street so I was like okay I said so what I did was I packed a bag like I packed a backpack and like another little bag and I put my snow boots on and I um went through it like down this hill it's kind of hard for me to describe it Mm -hmm. but anyway so I'm just thinking, okay, I just need to get to the street. But then when I got to the mm-hmm. sidewalk, right, you know, by the side of the street that she was on, there's the, you know, they, um, mm-hmm. they plowed it and there's this embaked, right. you know, this high, you know, snow bank or whatever. So I actually had to mm-hmm. climb over it and I like slid down it on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so you was going on a journey. <laughs> For your journey <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, Yeah, because, I'm, you know, even just getting oh to God. that, you know, like, you know, stepping in the snow and it's just like high and then I have my bags and stuff. So, yeah, it was crazy. And then, you know, we had to, you yeah. know, drive to, you know, from where I live to Virginia, which wasn't, you know, because um, what I did was because I knew I had to be there early in the morning and I didn't want to have mm-hmm. her driving that distance. Because, you know, with snow, it melts and it's ice and it's right. worse in the morning. So I got a hotel room, mm-hmm. you know, near the hospital. So we would just have to wake up okay. and drive to the hotel. So she actually picked me up like that Sunday and then we checked in
0: mm-hmm. um, the, the yeah, hotel near the hospital. I mean, yeah. Right. Well, that just goes into, like I said, your determination. You yeah, I, was, get I there. was getting there
1: because I was getting it done. <laughs>
0: Right, so, but uh, yeah, okay. Uh, interesting. Okay, so I, I deflect. So go back now to <laughs> your treatment.
1: Okay, so treatment for the second cancer. Okay, so right. Um.
0: Well, the yes. surgery. So. And then. Yeah.
1: So that one I had. Um, so I had the double mastectomy with reconstruction. So um, because I had radiation in the past, um, my breast surgeon recommended that I see a plastic surgeon that specializes in um, like trans flap surgery instead of getting implants Mm -hmm. because she thought that I was going to need like a skin graft because once you have radiation, that tissue doesn't heal um, as well as I guess unradiated tissue. So, Mm -hmm. um, so being a little overweight, uh, saved me in this case. So what, what it basically was, was a Mm -hmm. tummy tuck and they used my stomach fat to make my breasts. Yes. So, and all that was done in one surgery. So they did. So one surgeon did the mastectomy and then the plastic surgeon came in and did the reconstruction. So,
0: um,
1: and so, like I said, the surgery was on on a Monday. Um, and again, i just thankful for friends again, because like I said, Stacy came out and, you know, the snow to come and get me. And then I also had friends that came up to visit me in the ICU. Um, shout out to Jackie mm-hmm. um, one of our Tuskegee sisters. She came to see me, you know, right. in the snow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some other folks came to visit me. So, um,
0: yeah, so that was, that was
1: sweet. And so, oh, go
0: ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just think that's great. Yeah, so
1: um, on, I'll never forget that Wednesday, I felt like I'd been hit by a truck. I think like some of those drugs that they give you during the surgery were like wearing off or something. I don't know. I just, I felt horrible, mm-hmm. you know, not that I could have gone back, but I was, I was kind of regretting my decision. I was like, did I make the right choice? And no sooner than that doubt arrived, my breast surgeon came in and she just said, you made the right choice. And I was like, huh? She said, the cells had Mm -hmm. actually turned into breast cancer. So you actually had breast cancer. But because I had gotten the double mastectomy when I did, you know, they had actually gotten all the cancer um, and there wasn't any other involvement. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to have any other treatment after that
0: oh so, wow yeah okay so that was definitely it was
1: so and i'm like i said thankful for my oncologist mm-hmm. for saying you know go ahead and get it done you know so
0: right it ain't like you said it took the pressure off of you plus the fact that knowing his research you trusted his right, decision Right. okay so going through all of that what would you say? Well, the second time, what would you say? Was there anything different that you did, or what got you through the second time? Or you just—I
1: um, mean, the second time
0: kept the same. The second
1: time was mainly, um, you know, the second time was more or less a relief because it was like, you know, it, it was already dealt with. You know, it's like, oh, okay, I made the right decision to have the double mastectomy, so it was done. Okay. So, really, the second time right. was really just recovering from the surgery i mean that was a very difficult recovery for me so i was just i just had to focus on recovering from the surgery so
0: okay so now going through that how has um, your survivorship impacted your current well you kind of briefly spoke on that at the beginning your current wellness practice like you know what to do um based on what you know what your mom had taught you
1: Yes. So um, one of the things that, um, you know, like I said, I go back to is just going back to a lot of things my mother taught me was, you know, eating, trying to eat more vegetables and drink more water. I have to admit, I was one that did not eat a lot of vegetables, didn't drink a lot of water. You know, Mm -hmm. I was living off of like a high sugar diet, you know, I drank a lot of sodas, um, you know, ate a lot of junk food. So um, I'm eating a lot less of that. I must admit, you know, sometimes I fall back and I'm like, oh, I'm craving this and I'll eat it. But I'm mm-hmm. trying not to like eat it every day. Or, right. and, and I definitely don't drink sodas uh, the way I used to. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's, that is one of the changes that I made, um, you know, post-cancer.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you just had to recover from surgery and then, um, everything you went through, knowing that cancer is not a death sentence, your mindset, having a uh, treatment support system, um, all of that are factors that play into the success um, of your, your journey dealing with breast cancer. Um, so with that being said, what would you say to encourage anyone else um, that's diagnosed with breast cancer? or What advice would you give to someone going through it right now?
1: Uh, the first thing I would say is um, keep doing things or find things to do to keep you happy or distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing, you know, I I wanted to keep doing was, you know, I kept working. I took a class. Um, I still did things socially. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was, trying, I was careful, of course, because my immune system was compromised. Sure. But, you know, I still went to the wine fest. I, mean, I couldn't drink wine, but I went. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I still went to family events, um, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so, you know, do things, you know, to continue to keep you happy. Don't just focus on cancer. Um, another thing I did, um, I remember being really sick. I mean, really, really sick from the chemotherapy and I saw a commercial for Bahamas and Mm -hmm. I planned a trip to Bahamas. So just having something to look forward to was very helpful and distracting. So in a positive way. (laughs) <laughs> so I would say, you know, plan something, you know, for the future. Um,
0: right.
1: Some other things I would recommend from a just from a healthcare standpoint is just be active in um, in your your healthcare. So whether at whether that's finding a healthcare team that is that works for you, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I would also re- you know research the physicians, research the hospital um, ask questions. Um, I took notes. I read a lot, you know, okay. I'm not saying turn yourself into a Google MD, but just try to, you know, understand enough what's going on. Um, in case you have to ask a question or in mm-hmm. case you need to, if there's something that you need to be aware of to make your, your healthcare team aware of regarding your treatment. Um, another thing I would say is, um, uh, don't feel obligated to justify your decisions to others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, everybody, you know, you tell someone, oh, I have breast cancer. And whether you decide to do chemotherapy, you decide to do a mastectomy, you know, sometimes people feel that they have a right to say, no, you shouldn't, or you should do this because this person did this or whatever, you know, the the choice is yours. So the Mm -hmm. choice should be made based on the research that you do, the conversations that you have with you know, your healthcare providers and, you know, maybe your significant other or maybe your, you know, your close loved ones. But, you Mm -hmm. know, I think a lot of times, you know, people, you know, you might hear something from, you know, a coworker or like that eighth cousin or something like that. So I would just say, don't feel obligated to justify your decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I would also say, um, say yes to uh, support from your family and friends or whoever, Wants to support you. One of the things mm-hmm. that I was surprised by was, you know, coworkers or friends of friends that wanted to, you know, do things to help me. You know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, pleasantly surprised, but like I said, surprised.
0: Right. You know,
1: I had a coworker that, you know, used to just sit in the corner all the time and not really speak to a lot of people. And she came mm-hmm. to my office and she said, "Hey, I know what you're going, and you know, I heard what you're going through." If you need a, you know, a ride to an appointment, please let me know. And I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. You know, so, um, and it's it's a blessing to them as well. So sometimes, right. you know, when you do something for others, you know, that blessing comes back to you. So, you know, allow them to bless you so that they can be blessed. Exactly. Um, and one last thing I would say is don't be overly disappointed when others don't support you in the way that you feel that they should. Hmm. Um you know, sometimes you feel like, you know, certain people are going to show up for me in a certain way. And then when we don't, we're upset. But one Mm -hmm. thing I learned, because I was upset, I was that person. One thing I learned at a conference was not everybody can show up for you the way that you want. You know, Mm -hmm. um, some people are that person that's your, your friend that you go to happy hour with. And, you know, some people are that person that, you know, they're good. They're there for a good laugh. Some person, some friends might be the one that's going to cry with you, but right. they might not be one and the same. Like mm-hmm. and some friends might be the friend that can cook you a good meal. And there might be someone else that you don't want them cooking anything for.
0: You. <laughs> right. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so, true. right. So you mm-hmm. need to allow
1: people to show up for you that the way that they can best
0: show up for you. Wow. And,
1: you know, sometimes that might mean not at all. And then, you know, there's another decision to be made later on, you know, Mm -hmm. but, you know, not all, not everyone is, is, um, capable, I guess, to show up for you the way that sometimes we have in our heads that we want them to. Mm -hmm. So, and, and just find it a blessing that there will be others that will step in that can, you know, fill in, you, you know, so that would be my advice.
0: That's great advice. Wow! thank you well thank you for sharing your story and your journey with us um and then we're happy to say now how long have you been cancer-free now from the before that was 2016 the surgery yes january 2016 okay so four years and yes plus and going um and so like we said earlier there's a whole lot of other stuff going on right now <laughs> in the world yes. Um, But we're glad that you are here. I'm glad that you're here. Um, And then I hope someone is able to take from your story and use your story to help get them through. Um, So thank you very much for sharing your story. I thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. Um, And we look forward to hearing from you again. Maybe in another four years, we'll revisit. (laughs) And be like, okay. How's your journey going? But um, <laughs> absolutely, thank you. And w- me and Keisha, as we always end our segments, uh, we always say, "From our soul to your soul." Take care, guys. Be safe. Um, wear, maintain social distancing. Wear your mask and wash your hands. Have a great day, guys. Bye. <laughs>